a researcher who was part of the team that created the AstraZeneca vaccine, said recently that she needs more of your money in order to keep you safe. On December 6, 2021, uh, when giving the Richard Dembleby lecture at Oxford, Professor Sarah Gilbert, who is a professor of vaccinology, said, and I quote, the truth is, the next one could be worse. It could be more contagious or more lethal or both, close quote, to which I have to say, what's your point? The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. California could have a massive earthquake tomorrow. There could be a huge tornado in the Midwest. A hurricane could hit Florida. In other words, anything could be worse tomorrow. So what is Professor Gilbert's point? What is she trying to accomplish? We don't have to just ponder what could happen tomorrow to know that it could be worse. We can look back at history, which informs us how bad it can be. Let me give you a few examples. The Irish famine of 1845 through 1849 killed a million people. A million people. We're talking about Ireland, not like the North American continent. So essentially, it killed 12% of the Irish population. The Great Plague of London, 20% of the population of London died. The Black Plague in the mid-14th century killed up to, they're not exactly sure because of what, when it happened, not a lot of great written records were kept, but it is said that it killed up to 60% of the European population. Ancient Egypt, before the Common Era, is thought to have gone through a pandemic that killed 90% of its population. So we hear numbers like that, and we say if something like that repeated itself, clearly that would be worse. Although I should add the things like the Black Plague, that was bacteria-driven, and today we have antibiotics, so something like that could never happen. Today it would almost certainly be viral. But with that said... If you could imagine the kind, the best kind of pandemic, I mean, we don't want to have a pandemic at all, right? But if you could say, okay, so we're going to have a pandemic that, that in the future. We absolutely know we are. And somebody could let you design the most desirable pandemic. In other words, the least injurious. How would you design it? Well, you would design it to do exactly what SARS-CoV-2 has done. The example of that is here in the United States, as of December 4th, using the CDC's provisional death count, the United States death toll is just a bit over two-tenths of 1%. Compare that to the Black Plague, up to 60%, 12% of Ireland, 20% of London. Yeah, we're two-tenths of 1%. So if you could choose the kind of pandemic you would want, yeah, the one we have now is the one you would want. And then it looks like Omicron is going to displace Delta. And Omicron, yeah, if you get COVID at all, it's like, <clears throat> I have a sore throat and a headache. Like I said, if you could choose your pandemic, this would be it. I should also add that under the World Health Organization's former definition of pandemic, what we're living through right now, the SARS-CoV-2 event, would not have been able to be classified as a pandemic. So what exactly is Professor Gilbert talking about when she says the next one could be worse? Yeah, maybe this will help. This is from her comments. Quote, we cannot allow the enormous economic losses we have sustained to mean there is no funding for pandemic preparedness. The advances we have made and the knowledge we have gained must not be lost. Lost. 
Uh, how is she or any of her peers going to lose anything? Uh, you know, I've learned many things in my life, and I haven't lost any of the knowledge that I've gained. So, Sarah, how would you or your peers lose the knowledge you've gained? But of course, the key part of Sarah's presentation are these words, we cannot allow the enormous economic losses we have sustained to mean there is no funding for pandemic preparedness. Did I mention that Professor Gilbert is the co-founder and majority shareholder in a company called Vaxitech, which partnered with AstraZeneca to create the vaccine that bears the AstraZeneca name? What precisely does Professor Gilbert mean by pandemic, quote, preparedness? Well, that's easily discernible by looking at who funded her company's work to produce the vaccine known as AstraZeneca. And those funds came from the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. So to Gilbert, preparedness just means more money in her pocket. Did I mention who is the primary founder of the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations? Yeah, it's Bill Gates. In other words, Professor Gilbert trying to gin up fear about the next one could be worse is really all about more money for Vaxitech, in which she's the primary shareholder. With all that said, let's take a moment to talk about the next possible pandemic, because there certainly will be one. The only question is when and what. As I said a moment ago, there will never again be a bacteriological pandemic because we have antibiotics. So we can anticipate the next pandemic, like this one, would be viral. Accordingly, let's look at SARS-CoV-2 to determine how we can protect ourselves if we want to do that, rather than giving people like Sarah Gilbert billions of dollars more. If we, if we just want to protect ourselves, how might we go about that? As you probably know, deaths from COVID-19 are highly associated with chronic disease, what we now call comorbidities. So I'm going to take just a moment to look at what the numbers are with comorbidities, chronic disease, and what the likely death numbers would have been absent chronic disease. According to the CDC's provisional death count as of this week, the total number of Americans who've died with COVID-19 is 787,000. Now, Italy reported that 99% of those who died, died with comorbidities, chronic disease. I think the number, I'm going back many, many months now from memory, the number in New York State, their health agency fixed at 86%. So let's just kind of average that and call it 92% of people who've died with COVID-19 also had comorbidities. Well, I personally think the percentage is much higher than 92%. Nevertheless, let's run with 92%. And that means that 747,500 people died because with comorbidities, their bodies could not fight off SARS-CoV-2. The next number we have to look at is how much chronic disease could have been avoided. In other words, what percentage is lifestyle-oriented versus what percentage is genetic? The closest number we have to that, because there is no exact number, the closest number we have to that is that lifestyle-choice chronic disease constitutes 97.5% of all chronic disease. So if we back that percentage out of 747,500, we are left with 728,800 deaths that were preventable, even though the person developed COVID-19. In other words, it is entirely likely that 728,800 people would still be alive today if they didn't have chronic disease. In other words, only 
58,200 Americans would have died from COVID-19 if the number of Americans who have lifestyle chronic disease was zero. Or phrased another way, if the American people made the choice to to have eliminated lifestyle-based chronic disease, deaths from COVID-19 would have been reduced 93%. I should also point out that with 787,000 deaths with COVID-19 in the United States over the last 23 months, governments across the United States have used that to impose dictatorial rules and restrictions. Perhaps that wouldn't have been as prevalent if instead of 787,000 people dying, 58,000 people died. And let me give you a comparison, right? 787,000 people over almost just shy of two years, 787,000 people died. How many people die every year? Not two years, every year in the United States from chronic disease. 1.9 million. And the government takes zero action about that because that would be financially disadvantageous to big food, big pharma, and big med. The bottom line is being healthy is the best protection that anybody can have from a viral infection becoming serious and potentially deadly. When I wrote Body Science, I absolutely did not have a pandemic in mind. What I had in mind was giving every one of the 7.2 billion people on the planet the knowledge, the tools to live an amazingly healthy life and eradicate lifestyle chronic disease from their future. And lifestyle chronic disease, man, not only are they needless, but they're miserable, ugly forms of death and often kill people decades before they would otherwise die. And yet people still make the decision to get sick and die like that. I totally don't get it. But... The purposes of writing body science was for the people who don't want to go there. The people who, as I said, want to be amazingly healthy, feel great, not ever have to worry about chronic disease, and live the full duration of their life feeling great and being healthy. Body science gives them 100% of the knowledge, the mental tools to do that. I really think the big challenge is for people to unlearn the garbage that's been put in their head. And that's another reason that I wrote Body Science, because it's not enough just to take the garbage that one has been programmed with over decades and say, you know what, that might not be true, and throw it out. You you have to have quality information to replace it with. So Body Science does two things. Number one, once you've consumed the amazing information in Body Science, you can readily identify all the crap that you've been, all the erroneous crap that you've been programmed with and toss it out. And then body science also gives you the factual knowledge to work from moving forward so that the establishment can never buffalo you again about any matters of health, at least in terms of nutrition and physiology, which is really the knowledge it takes to live a healthy, disease-free life. And on the matter of law and income tax, the very same dynamic is true of income tax shattering the mist. Also, because tis the season... Running a bit of a Christmas special right now. If you purchase both body science and income tax shattering the mist together, I will inscribe and autograph both copies for you, whether it's for you or you plan to give it to somebody who will appreciate it for a gift. Maybe you want one, you're going to give the, some, the other one to somebody else. They will be inscribed 
and autographed. And I'll put the link to that combination product, both books, down in the notes. And finally, by purchasing body science and or income tax shadowing the mist, that allows me to continue to be here for you. Thank you.